This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. An unlikely friendship begins in the Paramount Plus original movie, Little Wing, starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Reeling from her parents' divorce, Caitlin steals a valuable bird to save her home, but instead forms a bond with the owner, leading to a new outlook on life. Little Wing, now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus. Head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Rated PG 13. Tis the season to shine with H&M. Discover the holiday collection and find fashionable pieces for your wardrobe or for under the tree. Get inspired and dazzle with this year's glam. From tuxedo styles, bow detailed pieces, impressive prints, and more. From unforgettable looks to unforgettable gifts. With fashion finds to home decor, find it all at H&M. Treat your loved ones and yourself this season. Shop in-store or at hm.com. Why for the party 40? Wow, 40 weeks in a row. I think that's kind of awesome. I'm kind of proud of myself. I was just talking on this podcast with Craig and Steph, who have their own podcast called Energy is Love. They reached out to me and asked if we could do a swap cast. So I am on their podcast, Energy is Love, and we're talking a lot about mental health on their podcast. And then they came on mine, and we talked about a lot of stuff, like parenting and I don't know, um, growing and um, kind of self-awareness and self-discovery and a lot of great stuff. They were really nice. I'd never met them before today, and I really enjoyed their conversation. But um, I was laughing at Halston because he told me that I don't talk about my merch enough because I'm really embarrassed in a certain way that I have merch. Like, I really feel like, who are you to have any merch? I I feel really kind of foolish, but, but Halston's... Halston's getting on to me so I feel really bad so he told me I have to bring up the fact that I have a bag on my website wifeotp.com I have a bag it's a canvas bag I like the bag I actually use the bag a lot I wanted something that I would actually use or wear and since I look terrible in a t-shirt I did not make t-shirts because I would not be able to endorse a t-shirt with any kind of integrity so so I made a bag so and I'm feeling embarrassed about having a bag because because no one bought the bag. <laughs> I posted it once and no one bought it. And then, of course, I was like, well, then screw it. No one wants a bag. Anyway, clearly, I still have some self-esteem issues to work through. But thanks for showing up again. I hope you enjoy this podcast. I really enjoyed it. I, we talked about a lot of great things that I don't really talk about with our friends. And this is literally the first time I'd ever met them. So... It was really fun and really cool. And I hope they enjoyed the rest of their time in SoCal and uh, enjoy podcast number 40. I rode my bicycle past your window last night. I roller skated to your door at daylight. It almost seems Are you ready? <laughs> okay. Have a good right, job. Great podcast. Are you rolling? 
Thanks, babe. Have a great podcast, everybody. <laughs> Thanks, babe. I'll invite you some other time. Yeah, 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 yeah. Hey. Hey, you guys are having a blast. I'll go work out. <laughs> Brother. That's funny. He is very jealous sometimes. <laughs> he feels like he should be on every podcast. But the ones that he's been on, people have emailed me and said, please don't have him on the podcast again. <laughs> he talks about himself too much. Who's that guy that comes on and just takes over and starts yelling at well, He does. He always <laughs> steers it back to him. Well, you know when I, blah, blah, blah. And you're yeah. like, oh, dude i don't know if we were talking about that we we're talking about a book you know <laughs> oh, we were talking about the burt kreischer experience of not reading uh-huh. anyway i'm so glad you guys are here it's really nice to meet you met you today for the first time uh you guys have a podcast called energy is love or you have a podcast yes. craig does yes, yeah. craig has it. it is our podcast is it ours yeah because you're the biggest like she was the biggest thing in the beginning of like just <laughs> do that yeah. You need to do that. Yeah. And so she's been the biggest supporter of the podcast from day one, obviously, because she's my wife. But right. Yeah, mm-hmm. I like to... kind of love them. It's, it's yeah. not just my podcast. Yeah. And more and more, she's on it all the time now. Right. Because it was like the realization of who do I want to talk more to than... My, my wife. wife. Yeah. Totally. Well, That's I've awesome. listened to a couple episodes. The last one I listened to, you had two friends that you met in Yellowstone. Uh, Is that right? I can't remember their names. Yes. Yeah. It was Sean and Jill Pringle. That's right. Yeah, yeah. It's really a cool um, podcast. It was very zen. Like I, I was driving, and I was like, wow, this, I'm really relaxed. And as I pointed out when you first got here, I have a lot of energy. <laughs> <laughs> so I, it's nice to, to listen to something that was really soothing and calming. And it's cool that you get people to open up about um, how they're feeling. So why don't you tell me a little bit for my listeners what your podcast is about? Well, it's the Energy is Love podcast. And in the beginning of, because I've been doing it for like a little over two years. And in the beginning, I was super into spirituality and all sorts of like energy and hippie shit and crystals and all sorts of different things like that. Which are cool. Yes. And they're valid. Uh, (laughs) I think a lot of times people think they're not valid. And that's part of the reason why I wanted to do the podcast was to bring awareness to the people that practice that kind of stuff. Right. That do that kind of stuff. Right. Because I was meeting a bunch of them and realizing that they're just totally normal people. A hundred percent. Yeah. And then over time it's evolved and now it's essentially whatever the fuck I want to talk about and to whoever I want to talk about. But at the end of the day, the driving force behind me doing the podcast is the idea that I give somebody something to think about mm-hmm. even if it's just the you know briefest moment of thinking about themselves or their life or their experiences in a slightly different way that will potentially or hopefully stick with them long enough that you know they go home and talk to somebody about it or they have some sort of aha moment even though not every everything has to be an aha moment but just one little tiny thing mm-hmm. that sticks with them right and right now like i'm super into fucking emotions and right now i'm super into the space of self-healing and growth and men's work and emotional deep deep work and so that's what we talk about a lot on the podcast and that's why i tried to bring more awareness to that stuff and right so it's evolved very much so that's amazing because in yeah. life we all evolve you can't, you know, I'm not the same as I was when I was 20 or 10. So that's amazing that you are, you have allowed it to be whatever it is. Yeah. And that was hard. Like that was a hard thing to, you know, letting go of the fact that it wasn't what I initially set out for it to be. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't the topic that I was originally kind of focused the show on. 
and just let it grow as I growed and shifted and changed. And I still like hippie spiritual shit. Mm -hmm. I still believe in energy and crystals. And I told you how we were walking on the beach all week long. And Stephanie and I tend to sit and walk with our eyes down because we're just looking for the rocks and the stones and the crystals and the shells that call to us so that we fill up our pockets and our house and our van and our car and everything. But so I still believe all of those things. (laughs) Right. But, um, I don't want to say I've moved past it in the sense that somehow it's some lower level of evolution. It's just, I've evolved my thoughts, my feelings, my beliefs, the things that I'm interested in have changed over time. And, and then also it's like, uh, like just shit. That's cool. I like skydiving. I talked to some kid that was a skydiver because I've always liked skydiving and do you know what I mean? He has nothing to do with deep emotional work or spiritual right. work or anything like that. Just Although one in. could say yes. <laughs> skydiving takes some deep emotional work to throw it yourself out of a plane. Come on. Yeah, it definitely does. So. Yeah. Well, that's really cool. It sounds like your um, focus has broadened. Very much so. That it hasn't left anything behind, just broadened. Yeah. That's very cool. I'll have to go back and listen to your ones on crystals. I used to be really into crystals. And then um, I started dating someone that um, is shirtless most of the time and is like, that's a bunch of hippy-dippy bullshit. And I sort of went, "Eh, well, you know, I'll just keep that to the side. And I just recently bought a big rose crystal for my living room because I was like, fuck that. After, like we were talking about, after Jair, I was like, why did I put that in a drawer? I'm going to buy that rose quartz that sits on my desk. I have a tiger's eye on my desk. And I don't have as many stones as I used to have. But I collect rocks from, and Bert, actually, this jar is rocks that he's collected from different experiences. Um, sometimes there were travel. Sometimes it was a big meeting that led to something important to him. And he'd pick up a rock in the parking lot and write on it. I don't do that, but I have rocks from places that mean something to me. You know, my grandmother's farm in Georgia has a river, and I picked up some rocks in there on my desk. Because that's stone, too. It may not be crystal, but it's still, it's still, I think it draws energy into the stone, right? Absolutely. So, and you get energy from the stone. It's grounding. Absolutely. Yeah, that's the stuff that we that really like. Oh, I love that, too. Yeah, like, for us, it's all about the raw real natural like it's not polished and shine and it mm-hmm. you know you can't look it up in book and say this one is for your yeah you know it's for specific. your nose chakra yeah. <laughs> your nose chakra <laughs> increases yeah. your sense of smell some of that does seem a bit hippy dippy it is some of it is a bit like seriously uh, okay but then I like it, I like it too <laughs> and you know I believe Listen, somebody, one of my friends was having a bad luck over and over again. And I was like, you need to get a black obsidian and put it in your house. And that will draw all the negative energy into that rock. And whether it's real or not, if you believe it, I believe it works. You know? It's like the placebo effect, right? Mm -hmm. Even if it is a placebo effect, I actually believe the rock draws energy into it. But just the belief of it, I think, helps. more power. I think it does, does, yeah. That's kind of what I am with this one. It's a, a wonderful friend that I just met on this amazing experience that was so out of my comfort realm that I just did. I went on a woman's retreat and that is... Wait, what nothing. is a woman's retreat? Oh. What do you do on a retreat? <laughs> it was amazing. What do you do on a retreat? It um, Well, the, I've only had one experience to draw from, but we went down to Sedona and it was just this amazing healing our inner emotions and pulling things out and rewriting and getting out of story and more into truth and just being 
present enough to stay in emotions. So like I've been telling Craig, I've been in the feeling room. I've been spending a lot of time in the feeling room because there's not time for my emotions and I don't like my emotions. Yeah. You know, you mentioned have a lot of anger. And so that's what would come out and hide because I don't like to feel sad. Right. I don't like to feel alone. So just being present with that. And then we had all these bonding. I, I don't have a lot of women friends. I don't. I'm very isolated. Right. And that's how I've been. And now why are you isolated? Easier. Why no. is it easier? You know, honestly, what it really come down to was a lot of self-worth. I didn't really feel like I, mm. I never felt like I fit in mm-hmm. anywhere. Mm-hmm. Didn't feel like I belonged anywhere. Mm. And that if somebody really got to know me, they would see that I didn't really belong. And so I would just, you know, whoo. I think you're cute as a bug. Oh, thank you. And awesome, right? No, but I know what you mean. I used to feel that way too. Yeah. I did a lot. I didn't have any girlfriends until I was Mm. in my 30s because I thought girls sucked. Yes. I thought they were petty (laughs) and gossipy. And there's so much drama and you don't want anything to do with it. Don't want it. That's hard pass. I mean, I went on my high school uh, senior trip with three boys. Because And my dad was cool with it because I wasn't in a relationship with any of those three boys. Mm -hmm. But I was like, I am not going down there to get drunk and fuck, which is what all the girls were going. I'm going down there just to get drunk. (laughs) I just want to have fun. So I just, I never had any girlfriends until I was in my 30s. And I really think that was about me. It is, yeah. I think that was uh, me feeling insecure in me and feeling like I didn't have enough to offer Mm -hmm. or... What I had to offer was not adequate, or what I had to offer was too odd. I mean, I'm an odd one. I'm not a regular girl. I mean, we have this big fundraiser at our school where we build a fair. 8,000 people come to this fair. It's one day. But we build the fair Thursday, Friday, and then Saturday's the fair, and then we tear it down on Sunday. Well, I... The first year I volunteered, I was like, okay, no one is project managing this build. There's like two people who are in charge of the whole thing, which is way more than just building the booths, right? It's too much for them to be in charge of permits and where everything's going and in charge of every subcommittee. I'm going to build the fair. Just the booths. A girl, right? Tool belt, everything. got it. And I was so in my comfort zone. And I was like, there is no other girl in this entire school that would be in this comfort zone. It's very odd. But that's who I am. I grew up building stuff with my dad. So do I not be that? No, I got so much joy and fulfillment from being exactly that. I made so many friends. All my friends that are on this podcast came from that fair. Oh, wow. They all originated from that fair. And I didn't work with, I worked with Kathy directly, <clears throat> but the rest of them I didn't work with. I just met them and I was like, this is who I am. Take it or leave it. But of course I was That's in my 40s. That's where you find your tribe. What's that? That's where you find your tribe. That's where you this find is it. who I am. Take, Take it, it or leave it. it. And yeah. they come. And they come. <laughs> so now, so now when was this retreat? Uh, it's like three September. weeks ago. Yeah. So have you been back home? Yes. And have yes. you looked for your tribe at home? Oh my goodness. No, I have not. I have not. Um, Things, you know, they come up with how you say I don't have time. I've been doing that a lot lately. It's been really busy. I do interact differently. And honestly, I've I've been interacting differently, which has allowed me to go on this retreat because otherwise it would not have happened. Did you go alone? I did. Went alone and chose to share a room so I wouldn't have a place to hide. 
That's great. Right. It was it was wonderful. But this is a talisman for me on the fact that yes, I like the stones. Yes, but I have chosen the intent that it was given to me with. I've chosen to put complete faith in that and believe in it. So I love it anyways. It was an amazing gesture, which I accepted, which is also a struggle for me to accept a gift. Mm -hmm. It's always like, no, 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 you can't, you can't spend that on me. You can't waste that on me. That's, Uh you know, that's for you. So to say, yes, thank you. And then this is what it's going to mean for me. This is what it's going to do. So I believe that completely with the belief you put into it does give it more power. It does. And, you know, accepting gives the universe permission to give more. Ah, yes. Right? Yes. So if you block, then you're telling the universe, no, 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 I'm good. I don't need it. <laughs> but that's, that's not true, right? That's you do me. need it. I do. You need it badly. Yes, I do. You do? I do. You have four kids? Yes. What the fuck? <laughs> Seriously, you have four kids? We have How four old kids. are they? Our oldest is 19. Okay. <laughs> now... <clears throat> I always hate this fucking conversation because we have four kids. Yeah. But the fact is... We're blended. We, yeah, we're a yeah, blended Yeah, yeah, no, family. I get that. And uh, it drives me nuts to hear other... I shouldn't say it drives me nuts, but yeah, we have four kids. <laughs> <laughs> From so, the outside looking in, it's a lot. It is <laughs> Blended lot. or not, yeah. that's a lot of people. So yeah, oldest is. is a sophomore in college. She's 19. She's out of the house. She's on her own. Awesome. Even though we still get to uh, see her periodically. And, yeah. She's still obviously a part of our family. Well, yeah, yeah no, she's excommunicated. <laughs> yes. And then we have two 16-year-old girls uh-huh. and a 12-year-old boy. Awesome. And yes. so, yeah. That's great. They're wonderful. That's a great age, I think. The 12 is a great age. Oh, 16. I'm coming up on. I don't know. It's a nightmare. Hold on. It's a nightmare? Yeah, Hold it's a on. shit show. Wait, why? <laughs> it is. Wait, it's a shit are show. they twins or are they one from each of you? One from each. From okay, each, yeah. so they just happen to be the same age. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Do they get along? Most they get of the time. along really well. Uh huh. And then they do not. Well, that's get just along sibling. Really, right. really well. That's just so, sibling, though, yeah. don't yeah. you think? That's yeah. And if, especially if one is you and one is you, mm-hmm. and that's exactly what it is. Mm-hmm. That too. is exactly. Mm-hmm. You know that completely yeah. perfect. I have one of me and one of Bert. <laughs> Let me tell you something. Yeah. You know, I've never thought amazing. of their relationship that way because that's exactly what it is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like Stevie's exactly like Steph and then Maddie's exactly like me. And I've never looked at their relationship that way of like, because when they're two peas in a pod, they're wonderful and everything's great <laughs> and they conspire to, you know, against us and oh <laughs> in my all gosh. the ways that they do. There's no chance. We have no chance. We lose every single time yeah. when they plot. Oh boy. We, we, we're done for. Yeah, and we usually we don't even know till after. We figure it out that, oh, my goodness. You know, the, the gift for me in having one of each, really one of each, Isla, everybody thinks Isla's like Bert, and she is in some ways, but really at her core, she's more like me. And the same with Georgia. Georgia's very responsible. Like, on the outside, everybody thinks, oh, she's definitely like Leanne, but she's not. She's actually wired like Bert. So their wiring oh, are exactly like us. The superficial, not superficial, but the the simpler stuff on the outside kind of blends a little bit. But when you get down to it, Isla is one stubborn ass mofo. And Georgia is just a soft jellyfish. And watching them with each other has helped me learn about myself and has helped me learn about Bert and about how Bert and I interact positively and negatively. It's helped me parent them. It's been this really wonderful 
kind of enmeshed learning experience. I didn't really understand. Bert told me forever I was the most stubborn human he had ever met. And I didn't believe him. I was like, how could I be so stubborn? I'm so open. I love uh, learning. I accept everybody. And then I have Isla and I go, oh, that's me. And that is the most stubborn human I have ever seen. So now I have to listen to Bert in a different way. I don't have to validate everything he says, but I do at least have to go, okay, hold on. I'm like Isla. How am I behaving like Isla would behave and what what advice would I give her? Uh, How would I parent her? So maybe I should parent myself (laughs) a little bit in that way. Do you do that at home? A lot of times we are uh, mirrors for each other with that and he'll like catch me on a moment and pull that out. And sometimes I'm able to listen and sometimes I am not able to listen and kind of the same with him. Sometimes he's able to receive it and sometimes he's not. As far as um, hearing how would I parent me and giving it that way and wanting to parent myself, I think what I get lost in is when I see so much of uh, me and her mm-hmm. and I'm like oh man I made some mistakes so I go into it's almost like panic mode Ooh. I'm like no, the no, kids no, no, are no. mistakes the kids are wonderful no 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 my mistakes that she's making and I know she's the making pain mistakes. Yes. that I experience from that and I very much want to like save her from that exactly and you can't do that I know like, I've tried I have no. not you so, can't do yeah. that yeah. we definitely I think point out to one another because <clears throat> there's often times where it's it's just I mean it's so incredibly easy to sit there and watch her argue with Stevie and it's like what you're arguing with yourself like everything yeah. that she's doing is exactly the same way that you would respond yeah. everything she's saying it's just this beautiful thing of watching these two women <laughs> that are exactly the same and then I'll try to point it out to her sometimes in the thick of it but most of the time it's after the fact to bring awareness to it well thick of it is just crazy to try and do it, it that is moment crazy yeah, yeah. Like yeah. Just what are you thinking no one hears anything in that it, moment exactly and then uh, she'll do the same thing for me because yeah. the other our other daughter Maddie is you know her and I'll do the exact same thing with one another where we'll just sit there and argue back and forth because we're always right neither one of us is ever wrong we always know better uh that's been really interesting like me watching her think analyze program set up plan everything that she wants in her life exactly the same way that i have a tendency to do and then to be like i love you so much one day you'll see that you have to let go of some of that yes (laughs) otherwise you're going to be miserable Yes. And so, yeah, but. It's fascinating, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Bert will stomp around and complain about Georgia constantly. <clears throat> and I'm like, dude, <laughs> you're complaining about yourself. It's the same. And sometimes that mirror is hard. Yes. Sometimes you don't want to see that mirror. He doesn't want to see that, that that's who he is in some ways. But it is. So if you look at it, it's easier to kind of bob and weave and adjust and make a different choice and open up and learn something but yeah it's just yeah. the awareness of it like it's if the you awareness can bring yeah awareness to it and then hopefully next time you see it sooner you right can pick it up sooner right so that you can start to shift it right when you realize you're being triggered that's your moment to say okay what in me do i need to clean up if this is triggering me this is something that i need to clean up i, yeah. I always go what is now and what is not now right oh. something that triggers there is something going on mm-hmm. right now and that needs to be addressed but it's not the same as whatever happened not now that's caused that made it a trigger yes you know like if your mom hit you every day and then someone hit you and you react as if you've been hit every day 
clearly you need to address the fact that your mom hit you, which is not mm-hmm. to do with someone that hit you now. So I don't know. That is fascinating when you have a trigger. Bert recognizes his triggers way better than I do. I don't think I have any. <laughs> trigger free. I'm trigger free. And not he's enough. like, that's a trigger. And I'm like, I'm not triggered. I don't know what you're talking about. You're out of your mind. Talk to me in 15 minutes. <laughs> okay. No. But he goes, she's triggering me. And I'm like, oh, so good that you see that. Oh. I'm not really good at that. I'm, I'm in the moment a little more than I should be sometimes. So now, two years ago, you started this podcast. When did you start this journey of self-healing self-exploration did you start it together were you already married when this started what prompted that that how many questions can i ask you in one question there's a lot of weave in there we've been together for about six years and we've been married for three of those years okay um it you know honestly steph it was probably like the trajectory of our life obviously to where we're at today I think in regards, especially into our own, not just our, our obviously our relationship and our yeah, coupling, yeah. but our own individual healing process that has been taking place, I think most definitely coincided with us meeting. I, I think see. that was definitely a catalyst mm-hmm. uh, for change in both of our lives and our relationship. And in some way, shape or form, I would dare say that both of us were already on that path, even though... Individually. Yeah, hindsight, yeah. you can look back and see that you know the pieces that connected for that and things like that but um in the moment of it and i'm sure neither one i know i know in the moment i would have thought that i was full of shit i don't know what kind of healing journey you're thinking i'm on right now but the reality is i think it was probably when we met right and we were both already kind of headed in that direction right and then we've had the wonderful opportunity of continuing in that direction in the past six years and all that that's entailed because we're we are completely different people today than we were when we first met really yeah how so every way (laughs) i think our names you were blonde what do you mean (laughs) i used to have short hair i used to shave my head my head was so when we met i was a cop and stephanie was a 911 dispatcher okay and that's how we met would never have guessed that (laughs) not ever and Today, we're not those things anymore. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. No, wow. Neither what one do you do are. now? Do you Me first? Yeah. Uh, now I'm a massage therapist. Awesome. And yeah. Yeah. You're waiting for more? Well, yeah. I mean, she's a massage. I do a lot of things with massage therapy and whether it's going to be energy work that's just with that or mm-hmm. it's incorporated into the, it's always incorporated into the massage regardless, but whether or not it's more focused for the client that it's incorporated in or it's a request or however they need. So I just. You kind of tailor it to who Absolutely. you're working with. Do you do Reiki? Yes. You do Reiki? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. She incorporates awesome. all of that type of, like it's the really good massage, right? Right. It's not just the. It's a the healing book. massage. Exactly. It's not a. Uh, I need a day off. Mm-hmm. Go to the spa <laughs> massage. I understand. Yeah. It's a it's a healing massage, yeah. which is uh, you know, I believe this. Uh, I don't know if everybody else does, but you store everything in your body. Yes, everything's in your body. It's in your organs. It's in your muscles and your bones. It's everywhere. So mm-hmm. when you go to a healing massage therapist like you, it's a release of energy because really emotions are energy, and energy is trapped because you block. Yes. Uh, your pathways in your body, and so you you open up the pathways. 
is that accurate i love it thank you yes it's very accurate yeah yeah i did that in my 20s with the shaman reiki master yeah yeah he was a massage therapist so he would get all in my business and then reiki me while he was all in my business all in my back and neck and it was powerful it was transformative and um healing is uh, is not a big enough word it was transformative that experience for me so it's amazing that you give that gift to people thank you and it's how they show up for it too it's like you showed up for that because when you're going if you just want a massage you just want the relaxing yes you have that but it's how you show up so depending on you know you can walk through the door and not be at all there totally so it's it's up to you on how they do it it's up to the people who come if they want to walk through the door because i'm i'm ready I love it. Right. Well, I was like, they have to show up to do the work. They have to show up to do it. And if, yeah. you know, regardless, they're going to get a good massage. Yeah. They're going to feel better when they leave. But I want the ones that want to show up. Right. That's, I want to be able to do more. Right. And, help. and I just, I love it. And you can't do more it. without permission. Yes. Right. They yes. have to give you permission. Yes. To, um, this all sounds risque. I don't mean it risque. <laughs> I don't give you, it's not a happy we ending. We know exactly what you mean. But yeah, they have to give you permission to get in your, your junk, mm-hmm. right? Because yeah. it's a vulnerability to allow somebody not only to touch your body, mm-hmm. but to move your energy around. There has to be permission given from the person receiving from you. And they to have pull to it mean out. it. You can't just say, yes, I give no, you permission no, no. and oh, I'm a wall. I'm shut off. Yeah, no, no, no. Yeah. I do so that you, to her sometimes. You do? Yes. Yeah. We kind of have this standing thing where it's like, of course, baby, you can always come into my energy and do whatever the hell it is that you <laughs> want to do, right? <laughs> it's just a standing thing. And then she'll be giving him a massage and I'll be, she'll be like, and I'm, there's lots of times, unfortunately, <laughs> that I am closed off to it, even from her. Right. Where it's like, uh, and she knows, she can tell, she can get in there and realize that I'm not open today or whatever the not case today. may be and yeah well sometimes you're tired yes I remember yeah. showing up to Scott being saying yes wanting to mean yes and uh, just being too tired yeah because it is very draining it you is. know I saw him once a week uh, do you know the story about how I met the Reiki guy I don't know that oh I told this before on a podcast I'm sorry. I went to a Halloween party uh-huh. and there were psychic tents and I'd had terrible headaches for years and nothing was wrong with me, quote. I was nothing diagnosably wrong. And I went in the psychic tent, sat down, and she went, you have really bad headaches. I said, yes, I do. And she said, I think I know somebody who can help you. Here's his card. Go check him out. So I called him, and I walked into his massage place, and he goes, ooh, you have really bad headaches. And I went, yeah, I do. And he went, you have really big issues with your mom. And I went, yeah, I do. And he went, I think I can help you, but if we start this, you can't go back. So decide now what you want to do. And I was like, bring it on, buddy. Let's do it. So I saw him once a week for six months, and then every other week, and then once a month. And my headaches went away, never came back until my hormones started shifting. And it's a very different headache. It's not the same headache as when that one was. I used to pull my hair. My headaches were so bad. Yeah. I would try to release pain mm-hmm. by pulling my hair. Um, I know, but he changed headaches. my life. Reiki, he did Reiki every massage. Pulled so much junk out of my body. Um, and people think it's, you know, not real. It's absolutely real. What I experienced was very real. Um, 
powerful that you do that. I don't know how you do that. I would take on all that energy, I think. It's hard to pass it through. Have in the past, that's what it was like is taking on energy and same with him. So just getting to that more awareness and I am still working on it. Like I am great at putting up walls Mm -hmm. on the sense. And so I'm just really practicing with the feelings and getting the balance, not taking in, but being able to connect and to kind of jump back. I'm sorry. No, Uh, you like you walk in and he says, wow, you have really bad headaches. Uh Yes, I do. And he says, you have a lot of issues with your mom. Yes, I do. do. Let's do this. Like if, if I walked into an opportunity like that today, I could step into it. Uh-huh. However, just how big that is, because I'm thinking a year ago, if I'd have walked into an opportunity like that <laughs> and somebody would have said that, I would have ran so damn fast. Wait, I would have probably put a hole through the wall <laughs> to get laughing? out of that. Why? Knows totally me. But why, why? Why were you closed a year ago? What happened that made you open? It just happened, I don't know. I, I've always, like you, like people confide in me. Yeah. I'm always the one that's like, okay, I'm taking the stories, I'm getting this, yeah, yeah. I'm the person that listens. But to share that, uh-huh. like that, that was something that didn't come back. Right, right. And like even the same with Craig. Like he wouldn't really get what I was feeling and what um, emotions I was harboring uh-huh. until it built up so big that it was just this spew of anger and it all right. came out. My, right. I, I couldn't just let it trickle out. Right. I would wait till the explosion to go. And so anything with myself, I held that in private. Mm. And that was something that I like listening to you talk and the work that you knew to do so fast and so young and how much you've done i'm just amazed by you well that's very nice i was was desperate when i was that age i was in bad shape i um was uh probably a full-blown alcoholic but not an addict from a genetic place from a trauma place i was so bad off i had lost my hair and my um liver was enlarged so right before i met him i was drunk driving arrested arrested for drunk driving i was um i had been date raped in college i'd had um my dad sort of didn't handle his second divorce well and had a breakdown and he was my rock and i was drinking six days a week heavily like my 21st birthday i drank a fifth of vodka by myself so i was a wreck so by the time i met him I needed anything. I needed help big time. And nobody in rural Georgia goes to rehab. Nobody even knows what that is. <laughs> nobody even knows what Reiki is or anything. I was going to say nobody in rural Georgia goes to a shaman. No, nobody does. Yeah. But I, the universe presented me with a rope and I grabbed it. And that's what it was because I was having thoughts of like, if I just drive 90 miles an hour and just jerk the wheel really fast, this will all be over. I just need this to be over. I need it to be over. Now, I never thought of like suicide in a specific sense, but I needed what was happening with me to be over. I needed it to be over. So it happened young for me out of desperation, I think, and out of um, this deep, deeply lost sad place and a really big want to just be happy i just wanted to be happy and i was so unhappy i was unhappy with everything and uh, including myself Mm -hmm. so when a door was opened 
I just walked in it both feet because I thought anything is better than this. This is not working <laughs> in a massive way. I mean, my hair was falling out. That's pretty bad when you can't even keep your own hair as a woman. You know, I was 20. So, and I knew that I was drinking too much, but I didn't know what else to do. So, I mean, I drink today. I think I'm one of those people who truly drank because of trauma yeah and then heal the trauma and i don't have any kind of addiction problem i don't really have that so i don't want people to think that i'm i'm kidding myself and thinking that i'm some addict that i'm but i really am not i really had to deal with all that trauma which i have done through years of therapy and reiki and healing so if i had not had that opportunity I don't know that I would have gone, you know what? I think I need. It was just the universe <laughs> saying, you're going to a Halloween party. And this woman says something to you that goes doing. And then that guy says something that goes doing again. And then you go, well, then this is what I, I need to pay attention here. And but you I grabbed the rope. I grabbed the rope, but I didn't seek the rope. I didn't even know I needed the rope. But you grabbed The it. rope showed up. But I did grab it. You I did. Not, it. To di- not to discount <laughs> myself. I was trying to maybe make you feel better about it maybe there was no rope maybe there was no rope maybe there was no rope until a year ago hey there you go and then a year ago you go you know what i need to find me a rope oh i like that (laughs) i'm looking for a rope anybody got a rope (laughs) thank you i love that that was why i said it not for you for you to feel better about it happening i feel better because you know what the thing is it happens when you're ready yeah when the student is ready the teacher appears i was ready hearing that phrase constantly now that's the truth and my teachers are appearing then you know you're ready amazing then you know you're ready to learn because you you've somehow gone into agreement with the universe to accept right like your necklace (laughs) yes yes i will accept so now the universe will give well, thank you for that. I don't know. So yeah, we're a little anyway. bit different people than six yeah, years a little ago bit. when we met. <laughs> Seems like it. Yeah. So what do you do now? Um, for work, like for what yeah. pays bills and things like that, I set up uh, float tanks, sensory deprivation what is a float tanks. Tank? Oh, got it. Yeah. So I work for a company that manufactures those tanks, and then I'm the guy that goes and sets them up across America and things right. like that when they get sold. That's cool. Yeah. It's, it's, there's parts of it that are cool Yeah, and it's nice, but it's not, you know, it's a job. But Hey, you know what? That's okay. Yeah. It's a job means that you get to do this. Exactly. Like that's the other benefit of it is it's, it's freedom. It's uh, opportunity to like this experience of us coming out to California kind of happened on a, not on a whim. We definitely kind of planned out. I planned out some of it. Stephanie was just like, yeah, I'll come, whatever you want. I'll do whatever. Uh, But we don't have to ask for time off. We don't have to worry about, you know, vacation time or scheduling around work or anything like that. We can just say, hey, we're going to go do this because this is coming up and and we can go do it. And that's really, really nice to have that. That's awesome. Yeah. Most people would love that. Mm Mm-hmm. I have to remind myself that frequently that it's like, you know, most people are, I don't have to get, well, I don't have to wake up in the morning and go to work at nine o'clock and be there on time. And I just roll out of bed and turn on the computer and answer an email. And then I'm done for the next, however long until something else happens. That's super sweet. That's great. Yeah. Because then you have the best of both worlds, Mm -hmm. right? You have a job. We all have to have a job. I even have a job. 
I work for Burt Inc. <laughs> and it's stressful, let yeah. me tell you. Um, but, um, but that's great. I think that's great because it allows you your life, right? It does. It most definitely does. And <clears throat> like it gives us the opportunity to do what we really love mm-hmm. and gives us the time and the freedom to do what we really Which love. Which is what? Uh, you got to get into it. Levitation again. It's <laughs> levitation. Light as a feather. Light as a feather. Yeah. What is it? You told her what. Well, now I feel so mysterious. Yeah. What's the mystery? What is it? We don't have a... We You're just, a musician. We, we, no? I am actually, actually really yes. good at fucking three-card tricks. Professional snowman builder. Uh, what is it? <laughs> we, we love life. And yeah. we love living life to the fullest. But at the end of the day, we really like helping people. Yeah. And we like helping people in like a really profound way. Yeah. So not just in the fucky, uh, fluffy, fake way. Yeah. But like if you're going to change your life Mm -hmm. and you're going to shift everything into a completely new wavelength, a new pattern, evolve completely and not just heal fucking trauma, but like move forward. Yeah. That's what we really like. So then how do you do that? We're figuring all of that out. Right. Oh, what is your passion? Baby, Tell her. Well, we are figuring it out. I love well, that, so Why? Much. Is there a label for your passion? What's the label? No, we don't have a label for our passion. But I like, I like working with men. I like um, coaching men. I like helping men. I like being in that space of basically helping men connect to who they truly are as well as all of their emotions. So mentoring. Yes. So is it... I hate I hate this term because the term I think has some negative connotation. I don't feel negative about it at all. Like a life coach? Yes. Like a life coach for men specifically. Yes. I think that's amazing. Yes. That's awesome. Yeah, and it's the type of thing that I have like we have both done some type of work like that over the past three, four years. Uh, Initially, it kind of came through the realm of like spirituality and energy Mm -hmm. healing and readings and things like that and coaching people in that regards. But um, as that has shifted and evolved, now it's like, I like to think of it like now it's like real work. Not that that stuff isn't good work and I still incorporate some of that stuff, but it's on a deeper level of just Mm -hmm. being able to connect, feel and listen to somebody. And really, um, like we were talking about how you're an empath and you have the ability to really truly feel what somebody is feeling and hear them and show up for them in that space. Right. And that's something that Stephanie and I both do really naturally. And when we help other people and work with other people and for me specifically, like men suck at feeling their emotions, talking about their emotions, expressing their emotions, Mm -hmm. just the realm of emotionality and, um, in regards to masculinity, mm-hmm. men typically really suck at it. Yeah. They're super out of balance in that space. And so I really like the, uh, I, I like helping them in that space. I like so now do you them. start with men or do you start with young men? Um, for the most part, because I think if you start with young men, you can teach them some of the practices so that they don't become the men that are disconnected. Right. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And so like we do that with our son. Like I'm right. in that space right now of trying to get him because he's 12 years old. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I've only been with him for six years, mm-hmm. which is actually a really long time, yeah. right? Sometimes I sit and think it's about formative. it. formative. Yeah. Right during this time period of his formative years when he's growing up and especially now when he's like embarking into manhood, he's hitting puberty and he's doing all sorts of wonderful terrible horrible things (laughs) and uh but i love 
impacting him in these ways so that he can start to develop and build this skill set of not just being okay with how he's feeling, but expressing it right. and sitting in it and feeling it right. and processing it and connecting to it right. and learning how to communicate about it right. and all these kind of different things so that when he in, when he is a grown-ass man, he's not shut down and disconnected right. and doesn't even have the capacity for it. Right. So the, most of the work at this point is with men that are in that space and really helping them understand and... Be come, safe. Exactly. Come to the understanding that it's okay to feel those things, but how do you get to that point? How do you get to that point where you can even connect to that space of feeling safe enough to be vulnerable, not just in the context of with other men, but also outside of that with your relationships and with your significant other and all that kind of stuff. Right. So what do you think is the biggest challenge about raising a boy today? Hmm. Um. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm not a boy. So just having that, there's that understanding that, you know, when you're raising daughters, when you're a woman, there's things that are kind of embedded. You yeah. understand certain things as to where, like, I don't know what it's like for a boy to go through puberty. Right. And sometimes I'm like, I don't know what to do with this. Right. Um, but so much of it, I think the biggest challenge is letting go of agreements and beliefs, not putting those onto him that you have that mm-hmm. have been put onto you just with the society things. I mean, you break so many, you know, like every day is a new experience and I do not believe near like I, the amount is so limited of what I used to believe right. of what I was taught to believe. And, but still watching that of how much, you know, now mm-hmm. that were false beliefs, false agreements. Mm-hmm. You, I don't, I don't have them all. So I know without a doubt that I'm still putting those out there for right. him and my daughters, right. our daughters, sorry. Um, so I think that's the biggest struggle is do, can I even trust what I'm trying to raise and teach and instill? Cause I know what I feel, but so did my parents, right? You know, they believed everything they were giving me was the love and this is what it is. So right. when I'm giving that, I just don't want to mess them up too bad. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I want him to be happy. That's, yeah. you know, the thing that we say so much to all of our kids is, I don't care what you do in life. We just want you to be happy. Yeah, happy. But what example are we giving them with that? Now I think we are. We're living a life in a way and we're taking the steps to give them that example. However, when they don't want to do homework, mm-hmm. when they want to do their own thing, we're like, no, this is what you have to do. And they're like, hmm, do I though? And just having, maybe you don't. Yeah. Like maybe there are things that, I'm putting stress on and making you stress about that you really don't need to. Right. So that to me is the hardest. Like all of it's hard. There's not (laughs) one thing about raising boys or girls that is easy. All of it is hard. Yeah, but it's different. It is different. It's definitely different. It's like, you know, it's, it's different. There's definitely different things happening for each, uh, gender Mm -hmm. at the same age. They're totally different from each other. I just heard something on NPR, um, they had done a report where they were saying that women who see female doctors get better care and heal faster. Men who see male doctors get better care and heal faster. Why? They think it's because I can relate to what's going on in a woman's body. You cannot. How could you? It's like saying, so let's guess how it feels to be black. 
I would have no idea how it is to be black. <laughs> yeah. So how would I ever know how that is? I, I could never. Okay, so pretend you're an immigrant. Well, I can't. I'm not. I'm not I've, I've always lived here. So there is inherent differences in, in the genders. And I don't have boys. And I have friends that have both boys and girls. And they say all the time how different it is and how hard it is now because now it is more accepted to be more emotional as a man to be more open as a man uh, in ways that maybe my dad or our parents, it wasn't acceptable. And how, how, that affects, how that affects him in the world in a positive and a negative way, because everything has a negative effect in some way, um, even though I can't imagine why it would be negative for a boy to be more open or emotional. It's really hard. Because uh, yeah. even though it may be you know more widely accepted in the grand scheme like on the really like small level it's not like exactly he's, he's yeah. in seventh grade yeah. and he goes to school and for him to try to sit and like process through sadness in the middle of the lunchroom right. he's fucked yeah he's totally fucked he, right yeah. he's not going to be able to he's not going to have that yeah, time no. and that space and his buddies aren't going to come up and be like everybody be quiet you know asher needs this time because <laughs> he's imagine? really yeah. feeling what he's feeling and we want to hold space for him why he does right. that no. no he's fucked yeah you know and so it's really not easy and then all That's the other I mean. challenges of like not only trying to get him in line with it's like how do you play the game of life when you can step outside of it and realize that it's a fucking game and you don't really need to play it but you right. have to play it sometimes yeah. and in these circumstances when yep. it's necessary but really we're this is what life is life right. is connection life is feeling what you're feeling life is happiness and joy and if you don't like math or you don't like science you don't have to do it right i don't like certain things i don't do them because right. i'm an adult obviously right but even as a child like why do we teach them that they have to sit in that fucking science class if they don't really fucking like it i don't well, use science yeah. in my everyday life or i don't use math and i know that there's that's the balance right yeah like, i how understand do you play totally the game of life mm -hmm. when it's dumb <laughs> right. Well, it is dumb. And at the same time, there's part of me that thinks, there's part of me that thinks, what made my dad, part of what made my dad, my dad was a terrible student, barely got out of high school, was dyslexic, like my daughter, like sucked at school. But some of that was really good for him, right? It taught him, it made him tough in certain ways not cut off emotionally just able to persevere when things were really hard he made it out just was really hard yeah so then you go we don't need to make everything bend to your way that's not authentic that's not a true life you have to go to the dmv mm -hmm. sorry you got to do it you have to take science class sorry got to do it so at a certain point you're right, I agree with you. How do you figure out, this is the part of life you are required to do. This is the part of life you have a choice in doing. And this is a part of life where you have a really amazing choice in doing, right? You can choose not to go to the DMV, but you're also choosing then to pay fines or get your car impounded. Yeah. Those are choices too, but that is hard. I have a really hard time with both my daughters in opposite ways. Georgia is a rule Nazi where I go, girlfriend, you're going to be a miserable human being <laughs> if you don't relax. 
Not everybody's going to follow the rules, including your sister who puts it in your face daily, who I struggle with to go, you don't like science sucks for you. You got to do science. You don't like your teacher. Sorry, I'm not moving you to a teacher that's better for you. No, because guess what? One day you're going to have a boss that's not better for you. And you're going to have to figure out how to manage yourself through that. Yeah, I think that's, that's the life. key, right? We have to play that game at this yes. point with them. But you are learning. You are taking away from it. Right. But then how do we still have the other aspect of like everything's fucking beautiful and everything's yeah. amazing and you don't want to lose yourself in that game right. so that you're caught into that space for the rest of your life, yeah. right? Because it's the only person I know who doesn't live by the rules is my husband. <laughs> he doesn't live by any of those rules. And it frustrates the living shit out of me sometimes where I go, every other person on this planet has to go to the DMV. How do you get that done without going? <laughs> That's crazy. How do you do that? Everybody goes to the DMV. You know, when he finally has to go, the massive anxiety, meltdown, nervous breakdown, insanity that happens for him, I go, nobody acts like this about going to DMV either. So that's not good either. It's it's from not ever being made to do something you didn't want to do. And even he he was to an extent. Yeah. You know, like when he had to, quote, put away the silverware, he took the basket and dumped it into the drawer. And that was said, you know, he doesn't like doing that. So that's okay. (laughs) But I'm sorry, that's not okay. Yeah. Yeah. We're trying to find that that balance between how to navigate, navigate through difficulties or through things that really don't maybe serve your purpose but still serve a purpose yeah. that you do have to participate in yeah. I, w- I would probably lose the silverware dropping in that I cannot <laughs> that would make me insane not, not quite as bad as you but also to not learn how to settle into conformity and doing what is told that you will do and following that what is it that sheep line that yeah just not being your own person right just losing all that so navigate get strong we we go through like you're saying with isla you know we're going through that with asher you know we want him to be strong and learn how to navigate and be his own um advocate Mm -hmm. do we can't pull you out like for instance science teacher he struggles with the science teacher uh but we're keeping him there and so you have to balance that out. Mm-hmm. But at the same point, I'm trying to teach him, you do not have to fit this role that society gives you. Right. You make your own. But do what I say. Right. It is hard because <laughs> the science teacher is temporary. Yes. But it's a necessity. He got a, like recently he got bullied. So he, he um. some kid in school was bullying him and they got into some sort of altercation where the kid was trying to choke him and Asher hit him or something like that. And oh, we no. hear about all of it after the fact, obviously mm-hmm. the, the school didn't get involved cause nobody, it was like after school on waiting for the bus or something like that. So we hear about it after the fact and like Stephanie and I had some contention cause her initial response was like, fuck this. Like I need to go to school immediately. This needs to be fixed and solved. Right. We're going to the principal. We're going to do all these kind of different things. And I'm like, like the boy's got to figure out how to fix this on his own. Yeah. He's got to be able to solve this animosity, this problem. Because my guess is it's not as bad as we think it is. I right. remember what it was like when I was his age. And so I talked to him about it one morning at breakfast and listened to him talk about 
his experience in it and then kind of talk to him just a little bit about some possibilities, some options, like maybe you try to do this next time. Maybe you try to avoid this kid. Maybe, you know, there's no reason that you have to engage with him. He's, you know, they're not friends. They don't hang out. It's not because I used to fight with my buddies when I was that age, Sure, but it wasn't that it was just some other random kid. Right. And then like two days later, he came home and he's like, yeah, I talked to that kid. I told him I was done. Like, I don't want to, you know, leave me alone. You leave me alone. I'll leave you alone. And, uh, I think that's it. I think we're going to be done. I don't think I have to worry about it anymore. Awesome. And we didn't do anything other than have he a conversation. It. Yeah. And that's the thing is like, when do you step in as a parent, right? Like, right. when do you say, oh, fuck that. Don't hurt my kid. Right. But yet we're not doing anything to help him either. Right. He's got to learn how to fix and solve and, uh, handle the, what, would it, what word did you use, babe? Altercation. Oh, be an advocate for himself. Yeah. Be an advocate for yeah. himself. I think we step in as a society, this generation of parents steps in far more than my parents did. And mm-hmm. part of it is like what you were saying earlier, trying to save them the pain, trying to save them of going through the path you see them walking down. You know, I know where this ends. Um, but some of that is really important you know to this year i decided this year isla has always had well she's she's dyslexic and she has some processing delays so she'll study something today flunk the test and three weeks now will verbatim quote everything that she said because her learning is delayed um but that's you know sorry i can't we can't change the whole school system because your learning is delayed we can just adjust our expectations and say my expectation is that you try your hardest that's it Mm -hmm. i don't care if you're a c student if you're failing then we really need to readdress what's going on with the learning but if you're a c student i'm cool with that because i know you're learning and that stuff's going to come out later um and right now she has A's and B's, but I helped her so much because I kept thinking, I just wanted to get the information. I don't need the function of reading sucks for her and will suck forever. So I'm going to remove the function of reading and get her the information. And this year I decided to stop doing that and explained it to her. I was like, now you're in middle school, second year in middle school. You totally know how the system works. You know how to use a locker. You know how to change classes. You know you have six teachers. I got the basic up and running for you last year, still helping you. Now I got to let you go. So by the fifth period, she was failing three classes. And I was like, the part of me was like, I need to, I need to, I need to save her. She's not really failing. She's really smart. Hey, everybody, she's really smart. Yeah, yeah. And I had to stop myself and go, Isla, let's talk about your progress report. You got three F's here. What do you think's going on? How do you think you can fix it? Let's troubleshoot this. What would help you? What do you think would help you? And it took everything I could not to read those chapters to her, not to be the bridge in her learning. Because I thought to myself, if I don't let her go now, I'm going to be reading to her in high school. I'm going to be reading to her in college. And that's so unhealthy. It's probably even unhealthy here. If you could maybe understand the level of her dyslexia, maybe less unhealthy. It's pretty severe. She's reading at like a fourth grade level in seventh yeah, grade. Yeah. 
It's out. pretty bad. Our boys the same way. Yeah. Yeah. And so I'm glad that you're, I'm glad that you're speaking this right now so that Stephanie can hear this. Oh yeah? <laughs> <laughs> Why? I'm over here like, oh. Well, no, let me tell you something. I thought to myself, I said to Isla, I know how smart you are. You are not an F student. Yeah. yeah. Your teacher wrote here, in danger of not progressing. I said, do you know what that means? It means you're not going to eighth grade. Now, I don't think that's okay for you. For you. I don't think you're okay with that. So if you're not okay with that, then you need to start troubleshooting. I will help you in any way you want help. But you have to do this on your own this year. This is your your game. This is, I'm just here to coach. You're playing every single game game yeah and that's hard it sucks yeah because i watch her struggle and i watch her it takes her four times the effort it takes her sister to do less work Mm -hmm. like her sister was in honors class and breezing through it isla is in like general education and just fighting tooth and nail to get those A's and B's. Yeah. And it's really hard to watch as a parent. But you think she's learning things Georgia will never learn. Grit. Georgia doesn't have grit like that. And I don't know how to teach it to her. There's also like an aspect of it too where like they accept who they are obviously because mm-hmm. that's the way that they are. Mm-hmm. And then they learn to fucking mold the world around yeah. them as well. So it's like adaptability mm-hmm. and the ability. It's not conformity but it's like the ability to adapt to these environments and these situations because they want to be there. They want to be in them. They want to be just like everybody else in class. So they will, she finds workarounds. I call it, what's the workaround? Where can you find the workaround? How do you get this workaround? Can we get this textbook on audio tape and when you're not in school, you listen to it? That way I'm not reading it to you. And in our technological world today, that's a pretty easy thing to happen in no matter what industry you're in you can usually find something that can read you know text to speech Uh so but you have to do that you have to upload it you have to start the program you have to do it all on your own but um that workaround you know dyslexics brains are five percent larger than a regular brain and i think it's because they have to i mean the brain's a muscle they have to work it so much harder to do what regular people do. They're also highly creative mm-hmm. pro- because they spend their whole day problem solving. Their whole day is about how can I do that because I can't do that the way that you do that. Is, is Asher dyslexic? He's got um, dyslexia, learning as they put it, he's just uh, some cognitive issues. Uh-huh. And so there is that learning disability Delay. going or delays with that. I like delay much better. Um, but he is very creative. He's very hands-on uh-huh. and he sees things in the way he like, he's super in, he's always read people really well Yeah, in the same. And he's been the kid that's always going for the underdog and helping the littler kids move. He is always an advocate for everybody else. Right. And so he creates these like Legos and forts and he does things with, I don't know, the technology stuff, right. for instance, the games and stuff on his, uh, like Minecraft and or, stuff. Yes. Yeah. I can't even watch Minecraft because yeah, I, I no get idea. nauseous as like you're spinning around too much. What, yeah, yeah, what's happening? I don't get okay, it you either. can build something, whatever. Yeah. I can't do it. But there is so much in, and that desire is there. That drive is there, mm-hmm. but he very much 
leans on me to come in and save it. And what am I going to do in the IEP meetings? And what mm-hmm. are we going to do? And I do. I write to that. Right. I am like, those well, that's teachers. also I come into those meetings. I am a force. Yeah, I'm right? a parent on his behalf. Yeah, I'm the same. And so it's. But guess what that is? Enabling, holding them back. It's a yeah. workaround. It's another workaround. Yeah. You're the workaround. So am I. Yeah. Guilty as charged. <laughs> Total workaround. But this year, I decided I would no longer be a workaround. I, I don't know. I, I'm just not going to. And I think she has taken the reins. Yeah. I mean, since that progress report, she's brought all her grades up to A's and B's all by herself. So to me, I go, well, shit, she could have done it the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> I was tap dancing like a ninny over in the corner going, hey, how about this? How about this? World history, world history. And she didn't even need that. Yeah. So, but guess what? That girl will find the path of least resistance if it kills her. She'll find it. And she'll take that path unless it's something she's fully into. Mm-hmm. Like she's really into anime. You can't pull her off an anime series. She's really into art. You can't pull her off an art project. But ask her to do science homework? Uh-uh. She's going to find that path of least resistance and phone it in. Full sentences? Oh fuck that. Two words <laughs> that you, you better believe that's all you're getting. You know? That's a beautiful that thing, though. So it's amazing. Yeah. I, I say to I Isla... That. We just got to get you through school. Exactly. Uh-huh. You play have the to game as long as you need to to get yeah. what you need at the end yep. of it, and then yes. fuck this whole thing is waiting for exactly. somebody like you. Exactly. Because you, you know, to dive in deep into the thing that you're so passionate about. I mean, a sir daddy. Yeah, that's what you want for oh, your kids, yeah. right? You yeah. want them to find those things, recognize yes. them when they're here, and then fully let them just go. Hundred percent. Yeah. In the time I keep saying this to her. If I don't send you to school, I go to jail. <laughs> uh, you're a truant and I'm in jail. So we don't have a choice. There's no choice to be made. But I, the quote I posted on my website this week was about holding yourself to a higher standard than anyone else expects of you. Henry Ward Beecher said that. And I was like, that's what I want for you. I want for you to hold yourself to a higher standard than anyone expects of you. So for you to try your best doesn't mean you need to make A's. It just means that you've held yourself to a standard that you can be proud of, that you can lay your head down at night and went, you know what, I did my best work. Mm-hmm. And even if your best work isn't your best work, if you feel good about it, then I think it changes your self-esteem. And t- I'm trying to get her to know that even though this sucks – you still have to do your best and her best is not an f an f is a is a path of least resistance lazy phoning it in i don't know what the teacher said i didn't get that handout that's bullshit you're in the room with everybody else you got the damn handout you lost it or you didn't do it or you didn't turn it in and that's unacceptable to me yes that's not acceptable that's not doing your best work it's got a good stretch for you, baby. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. I'm going to get home. I'm going <laughs> to hug on Ashman like crazy. And then and be like, good luck. You're on I'm your like, own, asshole. We'll see you at the end of the day. Enjoy your year 12. <laughs> it's so funny because I'm like, I know you're so excited about this because we like we do really good. I think we are great. We're co-parents. We're in it together. It's not one person yeah, we, we is are the parent role. Another person just does whatever, you know, we're laughing right now. Yeah. (laughs) They they may think that one, you know, we obviously have our struggles, but we, we are a team and I love that. However, 
it is not a flawless road. Of course. There is, you know, we have some struggles. And one of them is, like what you're saying, coming from Craig, I then go into mama bear defensive protective mode. I'm like, you just, like, you're not loving him enough. You know, how can you, you can't give up on him. You just, he needs this. How are you? And kind of like with the affair is not equal thing. Yes, he needs more. I need to give him more. Why do you want to give him less? And then... It's really hearing how empowering that is for Isla. Right. Because you're she's also learning, I I got this. She is learning I, I got, got this. this. And I'm telling her you got this by this action. That is right. It's beautiful. And in the beginning she was like, This sucks. It's <laughs> terrible. But the end result is, no, 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 I got it. I got this yeah. figured out. That is a gift. That is a gift. It's and you know, Bert and I aren't always on the same page either. <laughs> I was just out of town and Georgia Isla was sick. Quote, sick. <laughs> I didn't think she was sick. But I was in Vietnam. So I was like 14, 15 hours different time zone. Mm-hmm. Hard to parent. She has migraines legitimately. And she was saying, I sort of have a migraine, but I also have like my chest hurts and I just don't want to go to school. So I was talking to... Uh, Bert and I was like what do you think and he's like I think she just lay out of school it's just one day it's cool so my tit for tatter Georgia the next day is like tit for tat I'm not feeling good and I went <laughs> bullshit you're not feeling good what's not feeling good she's like I just am really run down and I went that's what happens when you decide to play high school softball you don't get to just lay out because you've had too much softball you have to go to school Hangs up the phone, calls her dad. Dad goes, ah, oh, take the day off. <laughs> ah, I was like, okay. seriously? Uh-huh. She's, dad said I could just take the day off, so I'm going to take the day off. And I went, no, but I'm saying taking the day off, you're going to be behind a full day of school. And now you're going to be behind next week. So that's a choice you're making. You're making the choice to make up your work either over the weekend or next week. All right. I, but dad said I can take the day off, so I'm going to take it off. I was like, all right. Not a lot you can do from Vietnam. Awesome. Yeah, right? (laughs) Yeah. That's awesome parenting, Bert Kreischer. Thanks a lot. I'm trying. She just did that because her sister got the day off before because she is a tit for tatter. Mm -hmm. Fair is not equal. Mm -hmm. But in her mind, equal is fair. Mm -hmm. And it's not. Fair is not equal. It is fair that she goes to school when she is not sick. And maybe Isla's sick was questionable, but the nurse sent her home. So if the nurse sent her home, that's an impartial party saying, I don't think she's feeling well. So I feel like that makes it a bit more legitimate than waking up and going, I'm feeling really run down. You know? Yeah. I could have choked Bert through the phone. (laughs) We do that same thing, though. And and obviously the kids know it, right? Oh, totally. They know to have him send them home. It's so convenient. Like, because... Asher will do it. Well, they oh, all do it. He knows to call me. But he'll do it a lot, especially when I'm gone because I travel a lot for work. Mm-hmm. And then it's like just recently I was gone. Steph was at a, an appointment. She had a massage appointment. And so he's home. He's old enough. He can be home for a few hours by himself. There's sure. no problems at all. And she comes home and he's in the backyard with his buddies oh my riding the lawnmower. We have a riding lawnmower. <laughs> Cruising around the riding lawnmower in the backyard, which Super 100% safe. knows. Yeah. He doesn't fuck with. Totally. Like, he knows, obviously, because it's always like, can I ride the lawnmower? No, you're not old enough. Can I ride the No, no, no. You're not ready to ride the lawnmower oh, by yourself. Yeah. He deemed himself ready. He deemed himself ready. Parents with his are gone. Let's there. do this. Yeah. Oh, yeah. my God. 
Yeah. I, it's, that was funny. Now, at <laughs> it 12, was awesome. what were you doing at 12? Were you doing any bad behaviors no. like this at 12? Way oh, worse. Oh, come on. No. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't yeah. believe you for one second. Riding a lawnmower was the least of my parents' Totally, right? Yeah. yeah. At 12? Yeah. Disaster. Please. Right? Yeah, and I think about that all the time, too. Like, wow. Because, yeah. you know, we They're ended good. up just fine. Totally. But we think, because you always think about yourself as a parent, and you're like, well, I mean, we're some semi-successful as parents, but uh, you're like, I, I ended up just fine. Yeah. But then you remember all the shit that you had to go through to get to where you're at. And that's the part that you want to leave out for yeah. your kids. Right. However, they're not going to get to where they turned out just fine unless they have some shit and it's going to be theirs. Yeah. It's going to be theirs. It's not going to be yours. Right. And if we, if I protected Asher from the lawnmower or like recently he's hopping on dirt bikes with buddies and doesn't bother to tell us about it. Mm. He's doing all we sorts find the of road rash on him yeah. to know he's been on. <laughs> and, uh, and the girls are the same way. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Decisions that they make completely separate from what we would approve of. And they fully know that. And that's the part that is going to get them, I think, to the part where they're okay in life. Right. At an earlier phase. Like right now, they're protected. Right now, we have them in this safe environment, in this loving home. We're still here, even though we're not there all the time with them. Even right. Even though we don't get to make every single decision for them. Right. They still have the place to come back to. Right. But it sucks. Like, it's fucking horrible as a parent. Yeah, it's hard. Mm-hmm. I agree with you. Sometimes you have to go through, you know, it's the theory I think all the time. I played in the woods all day long, mm-hmm. right? If I got hurt and it scared me, I would have to cope and deal and halfway home to cry to my dad, I'd realize I was okay. And then I'd go right back in the woods. They don't really have that opportunity. The way that society works today, or at least in LA, my kids aren't going out running around by themselves and then independently um, dealing with something. And that worries me a bit you know the stuff that stresses my 14 year old out flabbergasts me like what am I going to do with my softball stuff I'm like I don't know let's troubleshoot that whereas my dad would be like are you fucking kidding me what do you mean what do you do with your softball stuff just figure it out you know and then I'd figure it out where I go let's troubleshoot this so the bus gets to school and you have five minutes to get to class which is not enough time to get to the sports room so why don't you ask your first period teacher if you can leave your softball stuff in the corner since you have 15 minutes between classes take it after first period oh and i'm like oh my god if she can't figure out that one thing do you think that that's a product of the fact that you like you guys live here in la and it's this type of environment do you think it's a product of like like parenting today right in today's world and society because we still live in a small town Mm -hmm. so like the boy still gets to go out and ride his bike by himself and be gone for hours at a yeah we can't do that and solve some problems on his own Yeah, we can't do that here and do you think that that's the reason why she gets stumped by oh shit i have my softball stuff to some degree i think it is to some degree i think it is to some degree that she that child specifically isn't a uh a logical thinker like her she doesn't have to spend her days problem solving like isla mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. she didn't have problems like her problems don't isla's whole day is problems so isla could have figured that out and mm-hmm. wouldn't have even wanted my help but georgia doesn't have that opportunity presented to her ever 
she never has a problem opportunity like that like i've just fell fallen off my skateboard and now i gotta see if i'm okay she doesn't have that opportunity i mean i let her walk places. she can walk to a friend's house she can walk to starbucks she can walk you know she can go places but it's not the same as when no, you're like eight different. years old and you're climbing a tree and you fall out of the tree and your wind's knocked out of you yeah. and you think you've died. Exactly. Yeah. You're and like, am I unconscious right now? Exactly. I think I'm unconscious. <laughs> I see stars. Yeah. Is that normal? But they don't, she has never had that opportunity. Even going to summer camp or even, you know, giving her the opportunities that I can living in LA is mm-hmm. not the same. Mm-hmm. And so that worries me sometimes about her in particular. It doesn't worry me about Isla. Uh, um, because like I said, she spends her day problem solving. Um, but Georgia, I wonder, I mean like my, we go back to my dad's house. He has a golf cart. <laughs> a couple of years ago, he let both the girls drive the golf cart and he came home and was like, yeah, I, I don't, I wouldn't let Georgia drive. <laughs> I was like, really? He said, her scope is like here. It's like the interior and what's happening for her. Yeah. She has. She does not look out of the golf cart. Isla is like looking out, driving around. She's aware of her surroundings. He's like, I, I, I'm not comfortable with her at this age. Like looking forward to 16. I don't know that she should drive till she's like 18 or 20. Yeah, that's I'm, funny. I'm like, holy shit. And he's he's right. She's just not wired like that. We've yes. taught three kids now to drive, right? Ugh. Our oldest, and then these two sixteen-year-old. How's that? Girls. It's it's a shit show. Like we it's a nightmare. It's a shit show. <laughs> <laughs> but they're all very different. Like, right. do you know what I mean? Because it brings out a lot of people. Like it brings out a lot in people. It brings uh-huh. out like your ability to multitask, uh, confidence. Uh, like just the mere fact of facing some of your fears. Like it's scary, right? And we live in a small town. We live in a very small, you know, where there's one stoplight in town. Mm-hmm. Super wonderful place to learn how to drive. We still have dirt roads that you can like go and practice on when you're 12, 13 years old. Right. It's wonderful. That's great. However, like there definitely comes a time where we have to go into the city. We have to drive on the freeway. You have to learn all of those skill sets and you learn a lot about your kid in those situations. <laughs> right. Some of them are able to manage that easier than others. And some of them are very much like you know right in that stuck space of (laughs) and it's hilarious and then you just get to be the parent that like sits there and tries not to exude all of your fear and your body language while you're sitting in the passenger seat (gasps) the whole time yeah (laughs) that's what i would be doing i'm afraid it's hard it's fun though it's a cool it's like i mean your kid how old's um george is the oldest she's 14 she's 14 like it's so fucking beautiful to watch yeah do you know what I mean? You've already seen them and their personalities and all of that stuff that develops, but there's like another level that happens as they get into like 16, 17, 18. Do you right, know what I mean? Right. You're like on the cusp of this next phase and it's beautiful. Like it's right. so amazing because they start to put so much of not just their personality and their place in the world together, but they get that component, I think. And then they really start to like <clears throat> evolve even more. It's right. the next evolutionary phase of their adolescent childhood. Would you say you start seeing who they are? Yes. Mm-hmm. I think so. That's cool. I think I have good kids. I, I do. I, I, not to be prejudiced because they're my kids, <laughs> but I actually do think I have really good kids and that Bert and I've done a good job of allowing them to be who they are because they are so different. Yeah. And I think if we didn't do that, they would be the same. And they are not. 
the same. They are very different. What a blessing it is to have kids and to have the awareness to enjoy it. I didn't have that awareness in the beginning, I think, entirely. I had it partially. But um, once they got into school, no, but preschool maybe, I started going, oh, wow, this is kind of amazing. The baby years was were hard for me. They were hard. Um, sleep deprivation was hard. <laughs> I don't think any human should actually have to do that. <laughs> <laughs> sleep deprivation. Because, you know, Bert was never here. So it was all me. So after months and months of not sleeping all night, it was hard to see the forest for the trees. <laughs> I was like, seriously? Oh, my God. Yeah, it's horrible. Yeah. We, I mean, we both went through it when we had kids. Yeah. And we had kids young. We didn't have kids together. Well, obviously, if you have young. a 19-year-old, you had yeah. kids really young. Yeah. Is the 19-year-old yours? Yes. Yeah. So yeah. how, do you mind if I ask? Your, do, are, do you have exes or did they pass away or? No, exes? we, yeah, we each have an ex. You have exes. Ex spouse. And how is that with your blended family? Do they have families too? Mm. Like, do your kids have step kid, step siblings in the, the, in the other parents world? Yeah, two of them two do. So different. yeah, yeah. Two very different circumstances. Yeah. But my ex-wife, um, she's got a family. She's remarried. Um, so, so my girls have two families. Yeah, two families, and they've got, got step siblings and everything like that. Yeah, and it's I mean it's it's like anything else. It's hard, but but she's very sweet. Like it works. Yeah, it works really she's well. But it takes out. work. Do you know what I mean? Well, yeah, I would imagine it would take work no matter yeah. what. Even in the best circumstances, it would take work. Yeah, it was a little bit more challenging when the girls were younger, mm. but where they're so I mean you know they're older now, and so. You don't have to have a lot of interaction. Right. But the interaction that we do have is very, very nice. That's good. Yeah. Very nice. Very easy. Very. It's not even like a matter of like, we're trying to keep the peace. Right. Right. There's tension. It's effortless. Yeah. It's it's really effortless. That's great. It's nice. Mm -hmm. That is really nice. Really nice. Um, Yeah. That's really great. Yeah. I never had any steps. Um, They like it. They seem to like it. Yeah. Sometimes. Yeah. But I think it's, I think it is weird too. Yeah. As long as what? Depends on the day. Yeah. It's kind of the thing. You <laughs> like know? any other sibling thing. Yeah. Right? yeah, like any other sibling. Exactly. Like, right? And they live with steps. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. It's, they're normal. That's cool. Yeah. I was thinking the biggest, because we're sitting here, like I'm, a, I'm, I'm not just admiring you, Leanne, but. Like, <laughs> I am. Um, well, keep admiring. My goodness. <laughs> I am. so comfortable with that. I am. Um, you know, when we were talking <laughs> earlier on, on, the, on our podcast and listening to your story to some degree and things like that, I think the biggest thing that I'm realizing, like the way that we fucked up stuff was like, we just had kids too early. Yeah. Like you did so much wonderful growth in your 20s Absolutely. and recognition and awareness. And at that time period, we were both like in the thick of raising Rose, fucking children right. mm-hmm. and being stuck in that, not stuck in that space, but mm-hmm. you meshed in that space space right and now our kids are at a point where they where we have the freedom to do some of the uh, do some of these things and recognize some of these things Mm -hmm. and really start to disconnect not from our kids but from that space of like oh wait yes what i want matters right what i care about matters who i am matters right you're not just so ingrained and and taking care of your kids right 
And what a great gift you're giving your kids to show them that. Exactly. That process that they get to watch that process for you. It's really powerful. Yeah, I just wish we would have been doing it from the beginning. (laughs) I can't get into that. (laughs) The door opens when when the student's ready, the teacher appears. Well, there is a negative to having kids later. The negative is the transition from having a career for me that I loved that I was passionate about, that I had built, and that I was getting some real traction in, stopped, and I went into parenting. That was very difficult. That was really difficult, because I was a fully formed person, I thought. We're never fully formed, but you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. I had my likes, my dislikes, my rhythms, my patterns, my, my schedules, my lack of schedules, And when you have a kid, as you know, everything stops and it all has to be about them. That's what it's supposed to be. And I will not make any, um, give you no illusions that that was easy. It was really hard. And a lot of times I thought, now I see why people have kids when they're 20. Because now when they're 40, they can, they're like, they can start life in a certain way. So not that I regretted having kids later. I didn't. I couldn't have had kids in my 20s. I was a disaster. I would have screwed them and me up entirely. My kids came when they were supposed to come. But it was not without cost. I really did uh, have to mourn the loss of that career. I mean, I was writing screenplays. One screenplay had been made. I had studios calling me to adapt books into films. And that stopped. I couldn't do that. And that was a big loss for me. So I gained this amazing life. I wouldn't trade for the world. But I can't deny that that it came with a lot of loss. So I don't know, maybe... um, Maybe if you were a career cop and you'd gotten to be sergeant or detective or whatever your dream was as a cop and then everything stopped, it may feel a bit differently. Like you said, like we said, you know, the teacher appears when the student is ready. Mm -hmm. I was ready for that, which built the career, which brought me the marriage. You know, my dad told me, which I thought was the meanest thing ever when I was young he was like, you're not going to get married till you're in your 30s. And he's not going to be a normal person. <laughs> so you can just calm down about all your friends getting engaged when they're 19, 20, 21. It's not happening for you until you're 30 because you're just not going to find him. The men in your age group are not going to be mature enough until you're 30. They're just not, you're not going to find anybody that can handle you. You're a handful I asked too many questions. I'm too curious. <laughs> I have too much energy. And I was like, that is the meanest thing. Why would you ever say that to me? That's terrible. He was absolutely right. I had to be that person to be able to be this person for me. Um, or I, I, I would have fucked it up entirely. Yeah. If I had married the dudes I was dating when I was 20, I was on a three-month cycle. <clears throat> I was like, every three months, trade them up. Bored, I'm bored, I'm bored, I'm bored. Well, it always, always, always happens the way that it's supposed to happen. Absolutely. And I love what you said, how like kids come like when they're supposed to. Yeah. And, you know, I definitely feel the same way about all of our kids. Right. And it is, it is that thing of like, it always happens the way that it's supposed to happen. And if I would have waited until, you know, I was in my 30s or I had my shit together or I had my career or whatever the case may be. 
I wouldn't have met Stephanie. Right. Do you know what I mean? There's all right. those kind of big things that take place in your life that if you look at it and be like, all that stuff that lines up, I wouldn't be where I was today. It's divine. Yes. And you wouldn't have your beautiful 19-year-old. Yeah. And I mean, I wouldn't have any of my old. kids. You wouldn't have any of them. Do you know them. what I mean? Yeah. And I love it. I love having, like, for a long time I thought I was going to have two kids and I was going to be, you know, I was happy with that. I was good with that. Squared away. Very, very happy with two kids. And then I got two more kids. And it was like so much more growth occurred after that. I bet. Do you know what I mean? So much yeah. more um, challenges, but so much more love and so much more just all of this beautiful stuff, not just came in conjunction with my relationship with Stephanie, but also with my kids. Right. And the challenges and the excitement and the joy and the happy, I mean, just everything that kids give you. Right. I got a double dose of it at a certain point in my life that was divine timing. It was perfect timing for it. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, it's all about being open, right? Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Don't push anything. Just be open. When you can. And accept when you can, right? Practice. That's right. I'm so glad you guys came. Thank you. It was so nice to meet you and talk to you. What great people. Very nice to meet you. Tell me about your podcast so people can find it. Uh, Energies Love Podcast. Mm -hmm. It's like any other podcast. Super easy to find anywhere you listen to podcasts. But you can also go to the website, which is just energieslovepodcast.com. As really zen. I yeah. love the ones I listened to. I was like, oh. I know. I, I was listening to you say that. And I'm like, that's not the goal to put people to sleep. What no, the fuck? I wasn't. No, I didn't mean to sleep. I meant grounded. I got what you meant. Yeah. I didn't mean to sleep. I know. No, that's not what I mean at all. I mean, I felt like centered. Yeah. Right? That's a good I thing. I feel centered. good listening to it as opposed to the, yeah. Yeah, I felt uh, not bored. Yeah. Bored is what puts you to sleep. <laughs> no, I felt like grounded and centered and like, oh. Like my Reiki master used to say, Get into your heart. Like, mm. get in your heart, and then you can hear. Get into your heart. So then I would listen. i go, ah, oh, I'm in my heart. Yeah. That's really great. Good luck with you helping men, which is your goal, mm-hmm. become more open yes. and emotional and accepting of themselves. I think that's an amazing goal and path. I love that. Thank you so much. Good luck. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to need it. it. Well, I mean, we all need luck. And yeah. good luck to you for your massage Reiki healing path. Thank you. And for finding your tribe. Mm, You're a lovely person. You. you should have a tribe. They're coming. Where are Starting they? Starting to build. They're down a dirt road. <laughs> that's small town. <laughs> meet you at the end of the dirt road, right? <laughs> I'm coming home soon, guys. Yeah, right, right. Let's all meet at the one red light. I know there home. is really only one red light in our town. That is hilarious. Well, my well, I know he said that. Oh, my hometown yeah. has three red lights, but they turn two of them off because you get funding from the state based on the number of red lights you have. Oh, that's ah. funny. But two of them are fully unnecessary. <laughs> and I could argue the third one is fully unnecessary too. Oh my goodness. But yeah, so they have those three lights so they can get more funding <laughs> from the state of Georgia. Talk about a workaround. Let's just put up two more lights. I love that work. Get some more cash. <laughs> well, thank you guys so much. I appreciate it. Thank oh, you so much. It was a great conversation. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Okay. <laughs>